Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Do Business Better podcast. It's me, Damian Mason. Got another great show for you today because I got a great guest. His name is Tab Pierce. We're going to be talking today about writing your ship. Uh, you know, when the proverbial you-know-what hits the fan. Uh, adversity, uh, resilience, um, getting back on your feet and finding your way after there are some problems. And I figure right now, a lot of businesses, small biz, sole proprietors, people are going through some changes, some adversity. You've got the whole coronavirus. You've got the fact that government is shutting down folks. You know, one of my common themes is reinvention. I talk a great deal about what you can do to always be relevant in tomorrow's marketplace. So we're bringing all that together with uh, the author of Upsurge, Wreckage to Triumph, Rebuilding Your Personal and Business Life. But he's more than that. He's, he's been around for a while. He's had different businesses, and he also uh, lost his shorts a couple of times. So you're going to learn from his mistakes, and you're going to learn from his successes, and that's the best thing about the Do Business Better podcast. We give you stuff you can apply to create a life and business by choice. Long intro. Sorry. Tab Pierce, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. That was an awesome intro. Very much appreciated. You're an Everett Washington uh, business person and author and uh, have your own business. You uh, are not uh, a spring chicken. You've been around <laughs> a couple of years. Give me the entrepreneurial story. Give me the story of Tab Pierce. Uh, where, did it all, where did it all start? Well, you know, I've, I always had a desire to be a business owner. Um, you know, I always kind of um, lean towards that. I'm not a corporate person. Um, I'm good in a small business setting, you know, um, bigger. I only had one big job or one job for a large uh, company. I lasted two months. I said something I shouldn't have said, and and I I was part of a layoff of one. So, (laughs) um, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, helping businesses grow, being an entrepreneur has always been a part of me. Um, you know, I've had, you know, like, like several people, you know, I had failed business tries before uh, I succeeded and then failed and then succeeded again. So, you know, that's kind of my entrepreneurial journey. And, you know, I, I um, you know, I, I own a, another company and or my minority owner in another company start another business. So it's, it's kind of in my blood. All right. So I think a lot of people that are listening to this can probably relate to that. I was a big corporate guy back in 1994, quit to become a political comedian and started my own uh, uh, foray into self-unemployment and have had many ventures and, uh, you know, successes and failures since then. So your first thing you started, I don't know how old you were. I don't know what you came into it with. Give me that. (sighs) You know, I I'd spent uh, seven years at a at a small company. Decided I could do uh, my own business, and um, I, I get this. Uh, my background sales, so I had this great idea that you know I'm gonna I'm gonna start a uh, an import business, but I'm gonna imp- I'm gonna I'm gonna work with about seven or eight companies, and I'm gonna be their U.S. based sales arm. 
And it seemed like such a great idea to get them to pay me for it, you know, give me a stipend and all that on a monthly basis. And I did that for about a year um, and then learned a few valuable lessons I continued to do. Like, wow, wait a second. I just went from having one boss to having eight bosses and they all want a piece of me. And it just, it didn't work out. But, but that was my first kind of um, toe in the water lesson and uh, get out of it as quickly as I possibly could. Yeah. So uh, then the next venture, uh, you're plodding along. Things are, and by the way, making money, I mean, it is never like where you're destitute, right? Oh, no, 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 not at all. I and mean, so, what, yeah, I mean, I mean, there have been times when, you know, things get tight because that happens, but, you know, I'm, you know, still eating. All right. So tell me what, what you were doing when then things went south that you had to overcome. Well, Caliber, my company, we, you know, we, we were about, um, about four years old and we were doing great. Revenue was great. Um, and, uh, you know, we, you know, we, we were just kind of really plugging along and, you know, just having a lot of success, but we had a few things that were kind of going on on the side and, you know, we were trying to, um, you know, a combination of manage them and, and brush them under the rug, I guess. Um, you know, what, and, was Caliber, and, what was Caliber doing that was, uh, it was doing? You mean what were we doing that was causing these things? No, what, no, what was Cal Caliber's business is cybersecurity. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We're, we're a cybersecurity services firm. So large companies come to us and, and help, you know, to help them with their security services. Well, they come, they come to us because you sold them, I'm sure. But yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so four years in, you're doing you're doing okay. You're four years old, but what went wrong? Yeah. So what went wrong was we had uh, there's several things that went wrong. One was we had eight people um, on a contract, and the contract ended, and we, you know, we were waiting for them to give us another contract to renew the contract. And they kept saying we're we're just about there, and so we kept these eight people on, and it was like you know, one week would go by, we're just about ready to sign it. We're going to get it over to you. And it goes on and on and on. And so we, you know, we keep them on and about, about eight weeks in, we're like, we're, we're just about toast. You know, we're not, you know, we're paying people, but we're not paying the IRS. We're not doing this. And our, our contact there gets transferred inside the company. That contract dies. We've got eight people sitting on a bench at the same time, we got a business unit that isn't functioning like it's supposed to. And, you know, in the art of poor choices, we decided to take out a bad loan to cover everything. And that was what started our demise um, and led us to where we're, you know, where we were $750,000 in debt to 18 different people, companies, and government agencies. So $750,000 is a lot of money. Um, to, to you, to me, probably to everybody listening to this podcast. It's a lot of money in general. Um, of course, it doesn't sound like a lot as you talk about the government being $6 trillion into COVID relief money, but those are numbers that we can't even comprehend. There are corporations that lose that per day. I just looked Delta Airlines is losing like $2 million a day or something. But we're not Delta Airlines, we're not publicly traded, and we don't have those, the, those sorts of abilities. $750,000 of debt, you did, and you thought it was a smart thing to do. This is the thing, because I see this. You said, well, we got the employees. We got contracts with large corporations and, and entities that are coming. We're just kind of in a cash flow crunch. That's kind of the logic, right? Yeah. And? 
and don't do it. You know, <laughs> there's, there's certain things that, you know, you know, hindsight, gosh, hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Um, you know, looking back um, and, you know, if the opportunity comes again where we have, uh, you know, X amount of people that, and we don't have a new contract with them and we don't have a place or we don't have something to do, uh, we're cutting ASAP. We're not waiting. We're not going to wait for things to happen. We're not taking out a bad loan. Um, we've done everything we possibly can preparing ourselves for things to happen. But if they do happen much more, much quicker, because, um, you know, we waited too long. We, we just, you know, kind of allowed, you know, you know, the slow trickle of death. And the thing is the expenses that you were covering, you wouldn't grab that 750 to pay for, I'm assuming all the crap that this PPP was supposed to do, right? Payroll, uh, office space and daily operations, right? Oh yeah. And this is, this is way pre PPP. So it was, uh, you know, on me. Yeah. Right. It was a PPP. It was, yeah. it was tab Pierce PPP. Yes. It was me, 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 not PPP. Yeah. I got it. And, and I've been there myself. My thing was never that I had a bunch of employees, but I went, my revenue decreased by such a great amount after nine 11 and changes that happened in my thing uh, back then is that the nickels I was making then compared to the dollars previous, I thought, let's just use those to continue to build the next thing. So then it's like, yeah, but what am I living on? Oh, well, I'm going to the bank. <laughs> and what about this new venture I'm going to start? Where do I go to that? Well, I'm going to go ahead and cash out of things. And that's where I got upside down and backwards, um, you know, 2018 years ago. Your situation, um, you're saying that you would have just cut employees and then where else do you think you were ever fat? Do you think that you look back and say, ah, crap, we didn't need, um, you know, company cars or big fancy offices. Were you fat anywhere? Well, you know, it was, um, we're, we're a heavy employee based company. So, you know, we had eight people there and we had a, a business unit that, you know, was being carried by other areas. Well, when that other, when those other areas dry up, and this one here becomes really, you know, you're really aware of the problem, man, it's just employee heavy. And that, you know, we didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like the luxury spending or crazy stuff. It was just, you know, we were, we were flying high and we were hiring people. And then all and of also, a sudden. I'm thinking cybersecurity. Once you've got the technology and those things you have in place to make more revenue, you need more producers working with clients. So yes, I can see where it's an employee thing that you need the employees to grow the business, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, but you know, if you, if you, if you don't have the business and you have the employees, you have a great problem on your hands and that's where we were at. Okay. So that's, everybody likes a comeback story. Uh, at least <laughs> the people listen to this podcast do, I guess if you're, if you're not into comeback stories, you like failure um, uh, and, and people that just take it and lay on the, lay on the, on the, on the canvas. Uh, you know what? Don't listen to my podcast because we got a comeback story for you. Uh, by the way, before we get to that, I should mention that uh, uh, while this is not uh, th this this podcast is audio and has been forever, it's also now video. So I encourage you share this with your friends, share this with the aspiring entrepreneur, share this with the business owner that you know, the solopreneur, the uh, sole proprietor. Please share this, and also please go to my YouTube channel because you can listen to this and watch it. 
That's right. It's video and audio. You can see Tab sitting in front of his brick wall out there in Everett, Washington, and see what he's got to say. Uh, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's the Damian Mason channel on YouTube. So please do so and help the Do Business Better podcast get some more following. Uh, and it'll be really good for everybody, including the folks that you share it with. Okay. So there you are. You're four years into your company. You learned, uh, you're, you're, you're licking your wounds. You're, you, you, shit, you're knocked out, uh, but you're not completely knocked out. You're knocked down. And you said, I got to climb out of this. We still have a product to sell, right? We've got some customer base, I assume. Absolutely. But now we're wounded because we got this debt burden. And remember, dear listener, as we can all tell you, $750,000, $75,000, $7,500, When you run your own business, it's just a matter of moving the commas. $750,000 or $700 million, it's the same thing if it's wounded yet, right? Yeah, and, and it's relative. Like you say, you know, that you you know, for, for us it was a big deal. For me personally, you know, I'm gonna tell you about the comeback story, but but there's one part that really hit, you know, it was just this deep despair, this, you know, vulnerability, this man, this I was a fraud, all of these things. And and that's the part that, you know, I I, I always say that because I don't want people to go, oh, so it went bad. And you're like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. No, I mean, it was painful. So, you know, I, a lot of people, as you can imagine, said, you know, close your doors, start something else, go get a job, do something. And I was $250,000 in debt to the IRS. So that's just, that's just to the IRS, not to, yeah, the, just to the IRS. So the IRS is great. You know, you file bankruptcy and they're like, boy, that's too bad. Hey, when do we get our money? All right. And, and so I had to salvage this company so I could pay that. It was a gradual thing. It was this, it was, you know, a day by day win. And, and I had to sit there and look at this and say, I'm going to, I had to go out and sell. It was, it was turning over every rock. It was trying to make things, you know, just, you know, one week, you know, we're going to make it through this week. We're going to make it through payday. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And it was slow and gradual. But what happens is when you do that, you start getting a little bit of wind. You start getting a little bit of momentum. You start getting a little bit of confidence. Pretty soon you're like, you know what? We actually did that. We paid those people off. You start getting stronger. You know, we, you know, you know, some of them, you know, I felt early on, like, you know, I'm beholden to these people that I owe money to. And then one day it kind of clicked and it shifted. And I'm like, wait a second, I actually hold all the cards. I owe them money. They need my, they need their money from me. If they don't give me a leeway, nobody's going to get their money. So it was a point of strength. So you start building it up and you start doing it. It, I thought it was going to take me a year. It took us three years. Okay, so I've got I got so many things I can relate to because first <laughs> off, uh, the average person with an average job, we know them. We go to social events with them. We're related to them. And then if you get the sn- you get you get snot knockers, you're laying there on the floor, uh, and then they say, "Oh, we'll just start another business." I'm like, "You've never you've never started anything in your damn life. You don't have. You've never created anything." And you just think it, oh, just that easy. Change the toilet paper roll, yeah. But if those people lost their government job, you'd say, oh, well, just go get another job. Well, wait a minute, I'm entitled. They, there's such a thing where entitled people believe that the rest of us that get snot knockered, oh, just go start another business. I'm like, 
it's so callous and also so ignorant on your part. Then the other thing you just said was you, uh, you started getting your confidence, realizing I can get this thing built back. And then it's little victories. And I, I think I've been there. A lot of people listening have probably been there. Then you said, it dawns on you that at some point, you've you got to make this go. But also, those other people have a vested interest in you making it go because they do need you to get back up and on your feet because they can get paid back. Did you, did you go to those that you owed money? maybe not the IRS, but everybody else, or it could go to the IRS and negotiate. Yeah, actually we did. Um, we, we negotiated in some cases, you know, you know, as much as possible, lower, you know, uh, a lower amount, um, negotiate um, payment terms. And, you know, almost every one of them came to us and said, okay, tell us what you can do. And, you know, we would come up with a plan and we'd say, here's the plan. We're going to pay you back. And then I would always say, we're very conservative in our plan, but as conservative as I think we are, we're probably going to miss a payment. And everybody's like, you can't. And I'm like, yeah, well, we might. We just might. And, you know, we did our best to, to stay on top of it, but, you know, life happens. And so that's why we created a plan, and then we set them up to, we're going to do our best to maintain and stay on this plan. All right, so... Uh, after you said that you thought maybe one year, it took three. Uh, it always takes longer than, than people realize. Uh, three years later, you're back on your feet. You're debt-free. You're okay with the IRS. Then what? Yeah, you know, it, it, it was interesting. You know, it was, uh, um, it was June 18th of last year. We sent the last ACH payment off to our final debt. And I don't know, I expected like balloons and a parade and, you know, confetti falling and it was it was kind of surreal it was just like oh wow we're done we're, we're, we're done with that and you know it, it kind of caught up with us later but but what happened was is you know looking back it was like all of these things that we learned and all of these things that, that I personally learned and the company grew into it, like changed me and made me just this such a, you know, I, I don't want to like, like brag and pat myself on the back, but such a better leader, such a better business owner that, you know, less than 18 months, we're twice as big as we were when we were at our best when, you know, when, when everything. Yeah, so that adversity, adversity either uh, permanently kills you uh, off or it makes you stronger. So let's go ahead and take the lessons. First off, you got some confidence. I assume that was my, oh, thing. Yeah. my wife yeah. saying that when we, you know, we climbed out of our hole and then things started getting, and she's like, you know what? I, I really think this is amazing. You know, you got this. That's, that's the good part, but also the lessons. Tell me about the lessons. You, you know, um, a, a lot of the lessons that I learned was that, um, uh, that I had a lot more strength than I realized. Um, you know, instead of being weak in your adversity, you can be strong in your adversity. Yeah. Um, and, and that uh, people feed off your weakness. And they're going to feed off of your strength. And it's your choice to decide which one you're going to lead with. And, um, you know, the other thing that I learned is that everything, you know, everything in recovery in this situation happens in small bites. Nothing just like, I didn't go like, oh, man, this is bad. This is horrible. And then like, okay, in two weeks, everything will be good. It was small bites, it was small wins. You know, and, and probably the other thing that I really learned was is that, that I had to have an extremely detailed plan, and that plan um, had to be followed, and I, had to, and I had to be successful about 80 to 90% of that plan in order to recover. So, you know, those are the things I learned. 
Now, here's what's interesting. In my book, I say that business plans are overrated, but I'm talking about it from an entrepreneur, a want-to-be entrepreneur stance because the average person then says, well, I'm going to start a business, and the banker told me I had to come up with a business plan. I say, yeah, and they're supposed to have five and 10 years uh, charted out. What the hell? You don't know what's going to happen five and 10 years from now. You're, you don't even have a business going. Your thing is a little different. Yours was a recovery plan. And I assume it was on a 12 and 18 and 24 month window. Yeah. And and I totally agree with you. Business plans are overrated. I mean, don't tell anybody, but I don't even have one for this business after 10 years, but okay. But this is a, this is a personal plan. This is a plan that I needed to do. I looked at what the company needed to do. And it was like, these are the things I have to do in order to make this day work, to make this day makes this week work, this week, this month. It was a plan for me to get through. So, you know, definitely not a business plan. It was, it was a plan of recovery. So people, your lessons are you, you uh, either feed off your strength or feed off your weakness, choose to be strong, uh, to execute the plan and be extremely disciplined about it because you were in meltdown mode and now it's recovery mode and you've got to be disciplined. Uh, What about the, what about the, the financial part of it? Because, you know, it's no such thing as money problems. Money is, you know, there's another problem. There was a fundamental problem, it sounds like, in that you were reluctant to get rid of people and you didn't have clean contracts. Is that what maybe you think now moving forward? It, it was it was a reluctancy to get rid of people. And it was, uh, and at the time I, I was not listening to our financial team when they, when they were starting to say things about like, we have a problem and because I, you know, I just felt we could outrun it. I yeah. thought we could outrun things. Well, usually business people that are entrepreneurial that run their own racket tend to be optimistic and <laughs> yeah. that's good. That's the reason we started this. Remember if, if you want to play the pessimistic or the safe card, um, just, uh, just stay, stay with your normal job. Here's the thing. I don't know if this is also a result, but it has been for me. I don't play defense uh, and get scared, but I do look at things with a more critical analysis or almost pessimistic. You're not, you're not a pessimist, but you now look at it and say, yeah, but where am I vulnerable? You know, they used to do that thing in corporate strength, weeks, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And Usually these corporate schmucks are terrified to admit what a weakness is. I look at that now. Do you look at it and say, what's a weakness now with what's a, a caliber? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, you know, one of the things I talk to people about is learning to ask yourself good questions so you can get great results. And those, that's not what we, that's not what I did. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't, you know, you know, looking at what is it we can do. And, you know, I, I often will call it like, um, like logical optimism. You know, I mean, you, you have to, you know, you have to be logical. I mean, optimism is great, but if you're like, we can come back from this 80 point debt or, or deficit in the football game in the last two minutes. No, you can't. Right? Yeah. That's that. Like you said, um, uh, people uh, say hey, you do speeches. Are you like a motivational speaker? I said, I don't know if you, if by that you mean, do I jump around and say, you can be anything you want. If you're a 60 year old man, that's five foot eight, you cannot be a professional basketball player. You know, let's just stop this nonsense of you can be whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. I like it. Logical optimism. Then it means here's I've, I've analyzed this and here's my strengths and here's where the marketplace tends to be going. What about, vision. That's one of my other traits because we, we talk about resilience, which I think is probably the most critical one. I ain't going away. 
That's that's my thing. I ain't going away. Work ethic and drive is extremely important. I've had it since I was an eight-year-old boy. A little less now. I'm getting more, getting more. I'm getting more laid back. I think um, resilience. About vision. When you look at the future now, what do you see happening for you and for Calvert? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. I um, I was coming back from um, you know from business. Uh, from a business trip, don't tell anybody who's worried about COVID in a plane, but I, I was on a plane business yeah. trip. Right. And, and on the, on it, you know, I started analyzing what we've improved, what we've done. And I came back to my leadership team and I said, you need to make, you need to figure out how to make us five times larger than we are ASAP. And they said, what does ASAP mean? And I said, you need to figure out what ASAP means. And I said, this is, you know, I need you, the team to figure this out. And, and so they're in the process of, of working on that. Their first initial thought was that's nuts. Now they're starting to see that we can do it. So that's one of the things. One of the reasons why I want to do that is because, um, you know, there are some other things that I want to do in life that I'm building, that I'm pushing for. And in order for me to do that, this company has to be able to function at a, at a much higher level. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 56 and I plan on retiring about another 50 years. And then, you know, we'll see what happens then. So uh, the business for you uh, needs to continue to grow because it can, and you analyze that, but also you want it because you want it for you. And that's another thing that I think is unique to folks that run their own business. It's fulfilling, it's creative, but also it's to create the thing that you want for you, right? Yeah. I mean, and then, and then the beautiful thing is, is that when you create something for yourself, other people benefit too. So, but I didn't start this business to benefit everybody else. I'm not a, I'm not a nonprofit. Yeah. And you know, folks act like you're selfish. I remember a, a company here 10 or 15 years ago, that's in my home County here in Indiana, a uh, successful guy Then he laid people off. And then, you know, the, Oh boy, the small town, the small minded, small towners, mm-hmm. the small minded, and it, it could be big towners too, but they have to be small minded, small towners. Then uh, bitching at the coffee shop that he'd build that fancy house out there. And he's laying off workers. Like, you mean those workers that would not have had a job at all, unskilled, uneducated people would not have had a job at all were it not for the, the risk and the two times he's failed already. So, no, I agree with you. You're not a not-for-profit. How many employees you got now, Tab? Uh, we've got about 18. And you think that you can five times a business without hopefully five times the employees? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, obviously, we're going to have to add some employees, but we're definitely not going to five times the employee count. And we don't need to. You're set up for the future. You said you want to work another 50 years. Uh, some folks don't get that, but you want to work more and more on your terms, I presume, over Absolutely. the next 5, 10, and 15 years. Yeah. I mean, what am I going to do if I retire? You know what I'll do if I retire? I'm going to go figure out a business to start. That's what I'll do because I, I can't I, – that's just who I am. Yeah. So I can retire and then I'm going to start another business. So. Yeah, I, I've, uh, this whole COVID thing has made it different and difficult for many, including me. My business is slower in some regards, but I've taken on other things and some new ventures. And I, I keep thinking the same thing that at 51, I'm certainly not ready just to hang it up. I don't mind if I slow down a little bit, but for crying out loud, what, um, what does doing nothing look like? Um, I, I don't know if I want to do that. No, I think, I think, I think we know what doing nothing looks like. It's like, you're looking up and going, I can't see the earth because there's six feet of dirt above me. <laughs> Tell me about the book Upsurge and then how people can contact you. Yeah. So Upsurge, um, you can, Show people it, can because remember people can see it, hold it up. All right. Mm, there, there it is, is. called Upsurge. And, and it's the subtitle again is 
Is wreckage to triumph rebuilding your personal and business life? And if people want Amazon, it's on Audible. Um, they can read or listen. Okay. So you can just look up Upsurge by Tab Pierce, and yep. you can get a few more lessons than he just gave you here on the Do Business Better podcast. Any other last thoughts? No, the only, the only thing I would say is um, I always tell people if they want to talk to me, if people are going through troubles or if they want to do whatever it is, uh, you know, the, the website is tabpierce.com. Uh, there's a contact form there. Reach out. I just love to help. So that's my, uh, my last bit. Yeah, and that's the thing about uh, learn from people's successes and also learn from their failures, especially if they've learned from their failures, because it ain't failure if it's just a setback and you're and you're thriving again. So yeah, reach out if you want to. His name is Tab, like the now discontinued uh, diet yep. drink. Uh, pierce, like uh, how you would uh, pierce somebody with an arrow. Thanks a lot for being on here. Thank you, man. This is great. Appreciate the outlook and the wisdom and uh, best to you and the company caliber. All right. His name's Tad Pierce. My name's Damian Mason. Till next time, it's the Do Business Better podcast. Thanks for being here. If you enjoyed this episode of Do Business Better, please share it. And be sure to connect with Damian on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damian's books, Food Fear and Do Business Better, go to DamianMason.com. Know someone who'd make a great guest? Send us a message. We're always looking for compelling stories and business lessons our listeners can benefit from. Thank you.